so glad that you're here. Welcome to Calvary Chapel. Um, and for the moms, especially you, we're just so blessed that you're here. Happy Mother's Day. And so you should clap for your moms, you know? Yeah, there you go. We hope that because you're here that you're blessed and super blessed by being here. And so um, we're going to have a Bible study. There's a few things that I'm going to go through quickly um, on the announcements. And, of course, there's that thing, the QR code or whatever. And um, so everything that you want to know about Calvary Chapel is on it and what it is and where it's at and what time it is. But So be sure to check out our e-bulletin, which is online, also on the church app. You can look at that as well. But the couple things that I want to mention this morning, you probably saw some uh, baby bottles uh, out in the foyer, the coffee shop area and stuff. So those are baby bottles for you to take and to fill up with some change or a check or whatever. And the proceeds are going to go to the Resource Center. We do this every year. We've done this for a number of years. And the Resource Center, it's a ministry that we support and have for a long time. And uh, it is a, a fabulous ministry. It's a ministry um, for those who are facing uh, unexpected or unplanned pregnancies. And so um, you can do that and um, take the bottle. If you take one, please bring it back. And you can bring it back Father's Day and uh, maybe a little before that if you fill it up, we'll take it. But bring it back and that'll be a blessing for them. It's a ministry that we've supported, like I said, for a long time. Guys, men's breakfast, Saturday, May 14th. So this Saturday coming up, 8.30. So you won't go home hungry. We'll get some good food. And, uh, and so come, just sh sign up. Just initial your name, whatever it is. We just don't know, we need to know how many guys that we're going to have. And, so, and then Saturday, May 28th, we're going to have an ch all-church baptism. And it's going to be out in the back on that Saturday, and it's going to be at noon. So we got a portable baptism. It's really cool. And so we can, we can uh, not cool like the water, but it's really cool, okay? <laughs> we can heat the water up in it if we want. But... That's, that's where you'll get baptized. So if you haven't been baptized, you want to get baptized, come. And just come and, and wear something that you'll get, you want to get dunked in and bring some friends, bring some family. Uh, and it's a great time. And so that's that Saturday. If you have any questions about getting baptized, you can talk to me or in the coming weeks, Pastor Jeff or somebody else, you know, or you can call the church and we'll be happy or email us and we'll be happy to answer any questions on that. And then finally, four weeks from tomorrow, we will be in the park for the Children's Festival. That's June 6th, 7th, and 8th. That's a Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And so we will be doing that outreach. And so for those of you that have signed up to help, you probably have an um, assignment letter that is at the information desk. If you still desire to help, it's, you still got a little bit of time. They would like everybody, you know, if you're still thinking about it, you're not quite sure, you got till May 22nd. And so you can sign up, you can help with that ministry there. And then um, that you see in the table there, you can start signing up your children, your grandkids, your nieces, nephews, whatever it is. And so you can grab that. You can also do that online if you want. Um, you could register uh, through the e-bulletin. And so 
uh, that's out there for you to do. And there's also some flyers that you can take so you can invite somebody and they're on the registration table as well. And so if you're somebody that is thinking, gosh, I wish you know, I could be in the park and help with this outreach, you can be a very tremendous help by praying, okay? And, and so we ask that you be praying for this as a church that we'd be praying for this outreach, that the kids would come and they're going to hear the gospel and they're going to learn about Jesus, okay? So be praying for us. And it's a wonderful um, outreach that we will be doing for them. We do have a Bible study this morning. So this morning we're going to be in the Old Testament. We're going to be in Joshua chapter 3. So chapter 3, we're going to look at verses 1 through 6. Now it's a good time to check. Make sure your ringers are off. Pastor Jeff will be back next week. He will continue his study in the book of Daniel. And so he's getting to the second half of that book, the prophetic part of it. And it would be Jesus that would say, read and understand the things of Daniel. And so... It's a great study. Invite somebody out to one of our Sunday morning services. And so three services and they will be blessed. Okay, let's pray for our study. Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you that we are here and we've come and we've worshipped you. And now we have our Bibles open and I pray, Lord, that we would have our hearts open to what it is that you would say to us on this day. And we ask, Lord, that you would teach us, that your spirit would work in us, Lord. And, Lord, that we would take a look at our hearts, Lord, as you desire, Lord, for us to come into a deeper place in your presence, Lord. That you, Lord, as we as believers, that we would want to, Lord, because we know you want the very best for us. And so we would step into those things. And that we would hear what you have to say to us this morning. We wouldn't let anything disrupt that, Lord. Take away from that. And so, Lord, teach us again. And, and move into this place, your spirit, and into our hearts. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Joshua chapter 3. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Acacia Grove, and they came to the Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and they lodged there before they crossed over. The book of Joshua is an incredible book. It's one of my favorite books that, to go through, and this book introduces us to an uh, era of change. Finally, finally, the children of Israel are, are going to enter into the promised land. A land that God has promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. A, a land that they awaited for for 40 years. And here in Joshua chapter 3, they're standing at the border of Canaan. There's two and a half million of them camped on the east side of the Jordan River. We just read they left uh, Achaia Grove. They're going to this place. Um, they're going to, to, the, to the river there. And they're getting ready to cross over. So there they're camped on the east side of the Jordan. They have a view of the river. They probably have a view of Jericho, which is on the other side of the river. The journey of their lives has come to an end. And this generation standing there looking at the Jordan, they have been born in the wilderness. 
The generation before them, they have passed away. The children of Israel, by and large, are those who are under the 40 years of age. And there are some who were children when they left Egypt 40 years ago. And then there's Joshua, and then there's Caleb. But for the most part, most of the people have spent their entire life on this journey to a land of promise. And they're on the border now of a place and looking over to a land where the promises of God are to be fulfilled. And so when we look at this book, this book gives us lessons and it gives us pictures. God given us all those details about conflicts and overcoming and stepping into his promises, which have to do with our lives today. It affects us today. We can learn from those things. Romans 15 tells us that. Whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of Scripture, we might have hope. 1 Corinthians 10 says, the things that were written before the children of Israel are written for our example. Now, one thing that this book isn't, it isn't a picture of heaven. Now, there have been hymns that have been written about the crossing of the Jordan and entering into heaven. And even though I like the thought of that, it's not a picture of heaven. Because when we enter into a place of promise and rest in our lives on this side of heaven, there will still be giants that we'll have to deal with. Conflicts will still be there and strongholds. And I'm pretty sure that none of that's going to happen in heaven. And so it clearly is a picture of entering into the things that God has promised. And he has given us many promises, hasn't he, in his word. And this is the promised land. And it's not given to them because the children of Israel earned it. It's not given to them because they deserve it or that, that they had their act all together. It's given to them simply by promise and to be taken by faith, believing in the promises of God. And this Jordan River, it's going to be different than the crossing of the Red Sea, that other crossing of the children of Israel. That was a crossing that brought them out of Egypt, Egypt being a picture of the world. And that was a crossing of deliverance, a separation from the bondage of Egypt, a picture of our lives, of our salvation, and the Lord delivering us from the bondage of sin. So that's something that the vast majority here this morning have experienced spiritually. Yet for you and for me, we can have our personal Jordans in front of us. And so here's this river, this Jordan River that stands in front of them. And it needs to be dealt with in order to enter into all the promises that was given to them. And they're able to look across, and there they see a land to be cultivated. And there they see a land that will produce. And a land that is fed by this river that they're looking at, also by the spring rains, which the psalmist would call water from heaven. A land of inheritance, a land to pass on to their children. They're looking at a land of God's blessing. And a land where they see the promises of God fulfilled. And for you and I, it certainly is a picture of God's promises and rest in him that are set before us. Our entering into a deeper way into the spirit-filled life. Entering into the things God has for us. Yet at times can elude us. And what we're going to see this morning 
is three things that the Lord puts in front of us that will help us when we come to our personal Jordans. And when I think about all the people here that, that come to, to the Sunday services, and I'm so glad, we're so blessed for everybody who comes here on Sunday mornings. And, you know, it blesses us because you want to be taught out of God's Word. You know, you want to have fellowship with each other. And it's so blessed to be able to serve you and to teach you out of the Bible, to help you with your joy. But there might be a few, perhaps, who come because it's kind of a tradition, something that's been done throughout their lives. So they want to be known as a churchgoer. Perhaps, maybe, you know, there's a few who come because they carnal out during the week. So they feel if they sneak in here on Sunday... Why God is blessing everybody else, some of that blessing is going to splash up on them. And they really don't deserve it, but it might stick. And they'll get through the rest of the week with that. But I have to believe that the vast majority of those who come and listen are desiring to learn of God, to be blessed. You guys have your Bibles open. And perhaps there are some this morning that are desiring in their Christian's life to go beyond some place that has held them up, some personal Jordan in their lives. And they say in their hearts, I want to step beyond this. There are things that I don't want to wrestle with anymore. I want to step into inheritance. I know you died for me. I know that I'm saved and I've been delivered from Egypt. And I know you, Lord, want more for my life. To take me to a deeper place in your presence to respond to your spirit in a more personal way, to take in your word so it's alive and fresh. And I want to thirst and hunger for it every day and have deeper fellowship with you. I want to be more like you. But, it seem, but I seem to have this wide, deep Jordan in front of me, and it seems I'm never getting into the land of rest. This Jordan... Now, the Lord has told Joshua already, in three days, you're going to go over. You're going to cross over here. He, and, and so there they are in front of it, looking at this river. And it tells us in verse 15 of this chapter that it's at flood stage. Normally, the, the Jordan River, it's a, it's a small river. It's just uh, it's muddy. It's a lot like the Puda River. Puda River isn't that big. It's not that wide. But in the spring, before they put a dam up at the Sea of Galilee, you know, you'd have the snow melt from the Goline Heights. You would have Mount Hermon and the snow coming there. And then you would have a rainy season in the spring. And it's a lot like the time of year that we're in. You know, we're having the snow melt and we're going to have the runoff here that's starting. And our small rivers can become big. It's the same with the, <clears throat> with the, uh, the Jordan there. And, and some believe when it overflowed its banks, it would be at least a mile wide, uh, half a mile wide, maybe even wider. So imagine approaching this river. You got no boats. You got no bridges, no way to get across. And it's just not fighting men trying to get across. It's kids and it's teenagers. It's husbands and it's wives and it's babies. It's whole families that are trying to get across this thing. This Jordan River flown in front of them at flood tide. And I can imagine some of them are thinking, you know, why now? 
Why do you want us to cross now? If we just would have come a different time, a few months earlier, maybe a few months later, maybe we would have had a chance. Maybe we could have waited across. But now we come to this place, and it seems impossible to get over to the other side. And the closer we get to the river, the muddier it gets. I'm stuck in the mud. I know some of you people (laughs) talked to some guys this week with the rain. They got stuck in the mud. And maybe they're feeling that way. Is God teasing us? Why has he brought us here at this point? And for three days we stand here looking at this. And what are we supposed to do? How do we get past this barrier? And that can be our lives. It seems every time we want to move forward, it's flood tide. And so many of us, we've had setbacks, especially in the last couple of years. We live in the days where tomorrow could be very, very different because of the way that the world is. And we wonder what barriers, barriers will arrive tomorrow. And we want to, you know, be able to enter into a deeper place with the Lord. We say, I want to know him better. And we start to think about the things that stand in the way. Those things in our lives which we struggle with. Maybe we've struggled with these things for a long time. Some part of our hearts that's going through disappointment or hurt or anger. Maybe things are going okay, but you're wondering, when's the hammer going to fall? There's some fear. The loss, perhaps, that we suffered. And the things that seem to be in front of us You know, these things we say, Lord, this seems impossible. Can I ever cross over this? Can I really get past this? I know there are deeper things in your presence, a place of fulfilled promises and blessing. And Lord, I want to move forward in these things, but it seems I never can get past the place where I'm at and get over this almost impossible barrier in front of me. I'm just stuck in the mud. And whenever I want to step forward, there's flood tide. Those things I just can't wade through, wade through. Here are the children of Israel. Can't build enough boats. They're not going to swim across. They don't have anything to build a bridge with. So they're standing there looking at this river flowing in front of them. And they've marched their whole lives to reach this point. And I wonder, I just wonder, how many of them are, you know, ready to give up? And what about Joshua? What's Joshua doing? Is he pacing up and down the the banks of that river and throwing his hands up? Lord, you want us to cross this? You know, what do I do? How are we going to do this? You know, chewing on his fingernails or whatever. And we know he's not doing that. Because in chapter 1, the Lord has dealt with Joshua. And he tells Joshua, you're going to face the impossibilities. And you're going, you are now going to lead, so arise, go over this Jordan, you and all these people, to a land which I'm given them, the children of Israel. And you're going to move forward and by faith step into the promises that I have for you. And he tells Joshua in chapter 1, you know, um, in verse 7, he says, Only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, 
that you may prosper wherever you go. And in verse 8, he says, this book of the law, that term book of the law just means scripture. Scripture shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according all to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you're going to have good success. God tells Joshua, be strong and of good courage. Be strong and of good courage three times in this chapter. Be strong and of good courage and don't be dismayed. And I think the reason he's telling him this is I just got a feeling that maybe Joshua's kind of weak. Moses has died. Could you imagine having to fill Moses' shoes? Pretty tough, isn't it? He has died, and Joshua's the one that God is calling to lead the children of Israel across that river, all two and a half million of them. And he's saying, be of good courage, because maybe he's experiencing some fear. And God tells him, don't be dismayed, probably because he feels like maybe he can't move forward, that he can't move the nation forward. And we have an almighty God who has no trouble moving him and this nation across this river. And he speaks to Joshua's heart that is hesitant and discouraged and perhaps fearful and perhaps is saying, I don't know if I can do this. And here's the good news for you and me this morning. That that's not a problem for God to work in that person. The problem is God working in the hearts of that person who thinks that they're too independent of God. I'm strong in and of myself. I'll take care of this, Lord. I don't need your help. I don't need your direction. I'll figure it out. And that's the kind of heart that God has trouble working with. And I wonder, I just wonder if Joshua has some concerns about falling short. Because Joshua knew that all too well. He had been in the wilderness for 40 years before this and saw the children of Israel fall short. You know, the land was in front of them. The 12 spies went in. 10 of them come back, says, we can't do this. We can't take what's ours. There's giants. We could never do that. It would be Joshua and Caleb that said, we can do this. God promised us, and he gave us this land, and the people fell short. They turned away in unbelief. And God tells Joshua, Joshua, your life now is no longer going to be guided by a pillar of fire by night or a pillar of cloud by day. And in chapter 1, God is saying to Joshua, this book... This book shall not depart from your mouth. You're not going to be led by a pillar of fire and cloud. You are now going to be led by a book. The same book you and I have. And it's going to be sufficient for you, Joshua. In spite of the things that you've gone through in the past, when we feel fearful or discouraged, this book is going to be sufficient. When you feel inadequate and undeserving, Joshua, let this be what you dive into. Let it be for us. Let us be men and women that is so taken in by this book that we're taking it in that we can't help but speak the things of it, that it comes out of our mouths. And Jesus said, heaven and earth are going to pass away, but my word is going to endure forever. Joshua, 
Calvary Chapel, be the kind of person that determines where you go, what you do, how you live by my word. Live by this book and meditate on it. You know, we need to spend time with him. There's no easy way to Christ's likeness, to commune with the Lord, and to step into a deeper understanding of his word. You know, we live in this instant culture, don't we? We got instant that, and we got instant, instant this. This morning I ate some instant oatmeal, you know? Blah. <laughs> and that's the way we want everything. It doesn't happen that way with the Lord. He paid for you by the blood of his only son. And he wants to sit with you. You belong to him. He wants to speak to you and say, be strong and of good courage and don't be dismayed. Do you have a personal Jordan in front of you? Do you want to move forward? The first lesson for you and me this morning is you meditate on his word. You take in his word. You obey his word. And you're going to do well spiritually. And you're going to have good success. And you will experience more of the fullness of his love. And you'll enjoy his protection. And you'll enjoy the assurance of salvation. And you're going to look have that peace and joy and love that the world is looking for only comes through Christ. He's going to bear the anxiety that you have. You meditate on his word. Be constantly exposed to the character of God revealed in scripture. You can't trust somebody that you don't know well. So as you come to know God, with that knowledge comes trust. So Joshua, he's not pacing up and down that river bank there. Matter of fact, he tells the officer of the people to prepare provision for themselves because in three days you're going to cross over this Jordan. And as we get back to chapter 3, as we look at it, he starts to give the children of Israel now instructions in verse 2. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp and they commanded the people, saying, When you see the Ark of the Covenant, the Lord your God, and the priests and the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Verse 4, Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubics by measure. 2,000 cubics is about half a mile. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before you know, he, he, when we look at this, when we read this, we see that central to the crossing is the Ark of the Covenant or the Ark of Testimony. The Ark of the Covenant, it's mentioned 16 times in chapters 3 and 4. So it's, it's the central image, the focus of this illustration that we have. And the Ark is set before them, and it's interesting the way that it's set before them. Because... This is a generation, again, that only had known that pillar of fire and that pillar of cloud. And yes, it, you know, the, that pillar would hover over the tabernacle where the ark was when they were in the wilderness. And when they were moving, the ark would be carried, but it would have a covering over it. So the people would have had been quite a distance from it as well. But now the pillar is gone. And that was a mean of guide, guidance for the, some of them for 38 years, and it's gone. And God is saying to them, 
when he said, you have not passed this way before, he wasn't talking geographically because the entire journey in the wilderness, they hadn't passed that way before. He's saying the way that you are about to be led is going to be different. All of the leading you've experienced up until now has not been sufficient to take you where you want to go. And I think a lot of us have, we desire to enter into something deeper that maybe we need to take a, a real honest look at our hearts. That maybe what has led us to a point of, in our life, hasn't been sufficient to bring us to something. And it's brought us to where we are now, and we long for something more. And God says to the children of Israel, you haven't been led this way before, and I want you to stand back. I want you to stand back far enough so that all of you can see the ark, the place of God's presence. And we're clearly told that the presence of the Lord dwelt between the wings of the cherubim on the mercy seat. And it can, you know, that mercy, you know, box that contained the two tablets of the law and Aaron's rod and that budded and that golden pot of manna. And it was a picture of the law that we weren't able to keep, but was holy and good. That mercy seat where once a year the high priest poured out the blood of the lamb and made atonement for the nation. So you see a picture of God's holiness an unconditional requirement under the law, but also you see that through the death of an instant, innocent substitute, atonement was made that everyone who lived in faith could come in fellowship with the living God. So here they are. They're looking at this ark without the covering, seeing, seeing it really for the first time. Moses had seen it. The high priest has seen it. But these people have never seen it. Here it is about a half mile away. First time seeing something that has taken their attention from how they had been led. You know, the way that God had kind of led them and cared for them as it were in their infancy. Maybe a picture of the carnal Christian just bouncing around in the wilderness. God keeping them on course. Just moving them along. And now all of a sudden he says, yes, there is an impossibility in front of you. This river that flows from Adam, that's what it says in verse 16, this, this river that's flown down from Adam to the Dead Sea, that's what Jordan means. It means to flow down. And in each of our hearts, there is something that flows down to us that has descended to us from Adam of our nature, an impossibility. And God says there's a place where the blood flows, a place of covenant, and I want you to bring it, bring it out in full view where everyone can see it. And what does the priest do? By faith, they step in. They walk into the water, and it says the water receded and dried up. Up there by that place called Adam, 20 miles up, it's dammed up. It starts to pile up the water. The people couldn't see God working up there, couldn't see it at all. You know, you had this kind of invisible Hoover Dam going on up there, out of sight. And it would be Paul that would tell the Corinthian believers in 2 Corinthians 5, 
that we walk by faith and not by sight. We don't live our Christian lives only by what we feel and what we see and what we smell and touch. Here's God. He's working 20 miles up the river. And they couldn't see what God is doing. And you might be here and you're thinking, Lord, I can't see what you're doing in my life. I've come to you. I've requested of you. But I see you working and blessing other people. But sometimes I wonder, are you working in my life? And for you and me, there are times where God is working and we can't see what he's doing. And in your life and my life, we can't always see what God is doing. You know, we can't see it with our very eyes, but we can know it through the eyes of faith. And faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's not wishful thinking. It's not wishful thinking. It's built on the rock of the character of God. And when you have faith, it'll lift you up out of the mud. And when you know God works all things good together for them that love him, when you know nothing will separate you from the love of God, not life or death or things present or things to come or height or death, not anything, faith becomes your strength and faith becomes your shield. One of the verses that became, one of the verse that became one of my favorite ones the last couple of years because you know, I think a lot of us felt like we just, with this pandemic, couldn't move forward. But Paul would tell the Philippians believers in chapter 1, verse 6, he said, being confident in this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. I really like that. Paul doesn't say, hope it works out. Maybe, maybe God will, maybe Christ Jesus will complete it. He says, no, I'm absolutely convinced of this very thing. God began my work when you, when you were saved. And as you go through sanctification, as you move towards being more like Christ, he's going to bring it to full completion. As you walk by faith, look, he has something for each and every one of us to do. You are here for such a day as this. And he desires each and every one of us. He has a plan and a purpose. And he's going to complete it. He's going to move it through that to the day of Christ Jesus. He says, I am com- absolutely convinced of this very thing. And when I'm going to walk by faith and not, not by sight. I have faith in him. I trust in him. I believe in his promise. Faith comes from hearing and hearing from what? the word of God. So you meditate on his word. You walk by faith. And then Joshua, he's going to give more instructions here as we read verse 5. Very quickly we finish up. And Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourself for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Then Joshua spoke to the priests saying, take up the ark of the covenant and cross over before the people. So they took up the ark of the covenant and went before the people. Joshua says, sanctify yourself. God requires something of the people. And they might be thinking, you know, what do you mean sanctify ourselves? I mean, shouldn't we be sharpening our swords and, excuse me, building bridges and, and um, you know, 
building boats? What do you mean sanctify ourselves? And God does wonder before us, but what he requires is a heart that is set aside for him to follow. Do we really want to enter in? Are we willing to set ourselves apart? And the first time that you see the word sanctified used in the Bible, and that almost always gives us the indication of how that word will be used consistently through the rest of Scripture. And the first time that the word sanctified is used is in Genesis 2-3, as God sanctified the seventh-day creation and blessed it. He set it aside, and that's simply what it means, something that is separated. And God says to them, sanctify yourself. Do you really want to enter into a deeper place? And if God, you know, if you're living your Christian life one or two days out of the week, are you going to enter into a place, deeper place in the bars or watching something you shouldn't on some screen? Are you compromising in sin? And the Lord says to you and me, the river, no problem. There is nothing in the way to keep you from moving forward. That is a problem for me. Keep your eyes on the covenant that I have made and you move forward in what I ask of you. And that is that you set your heart aside, separate yourself from the love of the world. And on the other side, the other side of obedience, there will be giants. There are going to be battles. There are going to be walls that need to come down. But on the other side of obedience is a place of inheritance and a place of rest. Set yourselves apart. Let me lead. Let me part the river. And the Lord asks for a response from our hearts. We know that living the Christian life is tough, isn't it? It's not always easy. You know, some, some might think that it's supposed to be a tiptoe through the tulip kind of thing. It's not. And even for the noblest Christian, it's difficult. And we have this fallen flesh that we still have. We have a world that's all messed up. Timothy chapter 3, 2 Timothy chapter 3, says that all who want to live godly will suffer persecution. Jesus says, in this world you're going to have tribulation. Be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. You know, we are overcomers. And like I said before, God has given us many promises, but one of them wasn't that there's never going to be any trials or difficulties or temptations or pressure. But at the same time, he's given us many promises. And he wants us to move into those promises. The promise that he'll never leave us. The promise that he'll never forsake us. The promise that in all of our disappointments and our struggles and trials and the chaos and the confusion of life, that he's going to be a present help. He promised to intercede for us as our high priest. He promised to carry our burdens He loves you. He wants to strengthen you. And he promises that in the depth of our weakness that we're going to find the greatest strength. 
And you may be here this morning saying, I do. I want to move into a better place. I want to live out my Christian life the way that you would want me to live out. And I know that there is a place that I want to hand to a generation that's coming up behind me. And I want this thing to be real. I know there's a land of blessing, a land with vineyards and olive gardens. And I know there are giants and struggles and walls that need to come down. I want to enter in, but yet this flood tide river stands in a way and flows in the sea of death. And the Lord says to you and to me, you're Jordan, I'll get you across. You just look to me, meditate on this word. Let me guide you through this word. And you walk by faith. You're not going to be able to see everything that I'm doing, but I'm working in your life. And you set yourselves apart from the love of the world. And I'll get you across. I'll get you across. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you that we do have your promises for us, Lord. And that, Lord, you desire to work in our lives in a very real way. That you want to bring us to a place where we can rest, Lord. It would be Jesus that would look out in, in Matthew and see the, the people. And he said that, Lord, that he would have compassion on them. And he would say, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. And he says that he will take care of the burdens. That he will lighten them up. Father, I know that life isn't easy for many of us. But Lord, we can come into a place of rest. I pray that we would move in those forward in those things, Lord. To know that you are there. That you desire to direct us, Lord. That your Holy Spirit desires to strengthen us in all that we go through, to give us wisdom, give us discernment, Lord. And that we know that we, you are a very present help in our lives. And Father, as the world looks through for peace and as the world looks through joy and the world looks for all of these things that we know it is found in you, in spite of the circumstances. And Lord, that not only do we have you, we have each other. That special bond that comes between those who believe in you. Father, I, I ask that you would help us to grow and to learn more of you as we look into your room. I pray for each and every one here that, Lord, they would desire to spend more time with you, to spend that time, to grow more like you, to have those desires, Lord, to reach out and that they would be filled with your word Lord they would come out of their mouths so I just pray Father Lord that you would continue Lord always continue and we have that promise to grow us Lord protect us I pray Father that as we leave this place that you would bless the work of our hands that you would bless our day and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can stand.